You will go with us to the book of Genesis, chapter 25. Please be fine this morning. First book in the Bible, Genesis 25. We're going to start at verse 19. Genesis 25. We're going to begin with verse 19. Let me say, I love you all today. Amen. You're a beautiful, beautiful group of people. Amen. I mean that. Hallelujah. I'm going to use the word beautiful a lot. Hallelujah. I think it can be overrated if I'm honest. Hallelujah. But I mean that today. The Bible says that there is a beauty to holiness. Amen. And we can walk in the beauty of holiness. Hallelujah. But we love you today. Thankful for each and every one of you. If you're hot, somebody can turn the air on back there. Now that everybody's awake. So you got, you got, you got the hot blood saying, yes, you got the cold, you got the cold blood going, oh, I just got Welcome to my world. <laughs> There's no happy ending. Praise God. All right, let's get into it. Genesis 25, verse 19. Everybody able to stay and stay? You got that word with us. Say amen. amen. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pandanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Hallelujah. We're going to blast the shofars. And we need you to. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. Do it again. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Praise. Give it a shout. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's thank you. Hallelujah. 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 We glorify. We magnify you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this atmosphere is dangerous to stir. Hallelujah. The rain of demon will last. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel that today. Glory to God. If the Lord will allow me, I'm going to do my best to get. Through this today, my thought is simply the struggle is real. The struggle is real. When you look at your neighbor and say the struggle is real. Amen. The struggle is real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 25 gives us a history of uh, the latter part of Abraham's life. It gives us a, a quick synopsis of the end of of Abraham's life. And the Bible tells us that Abraham died at the age of 
175. He was 175 years old when he died. Amen. We know that Isaac was the promised seed of Abraham and Sarah. Amen. We also know that Ishmael was the son of Abraham who was from Hagar, which was Sarah's handmaid because Sarah was not able to conceive and uh, her handmaiden Hagar uh, did conceive and had Ishmael, but the Bible tells us that uh, Ishmael was not the promised seed of Abraham, but that Isaac from Sarah was to be the promised seed. So there was a separation that took place between Isaac and Ishmael. Amen. Now the Bible says that God blessed Ishmael. Hallelujah. But Abraham gave everything that he had to Isaac. So Isaac became that promised seed. Isaac became the heir. So everything that Abraham owned, now you think about it, when you read and you study about Abraham, he became a wealthy man. Abraham became a man of means. God blessed him. Amen. Abraham walked wisely in the counsel of the Lord. Amen. So Abraham had quite a bit to leave. So Everything that Abraham owned was given to Isaac because Isaac was that promised seed. Amen. Now the Bible tells us that we just read to you that Isaac was 40 years old when he got married. The Bible says that he married a woman by the name of Rebekah. Rebekah who was the son of Bethuel. Amen. Who was the sister of Laban the Syrian. So uh, Isaac was 40 when he married Rebekah. And the Bible tells us that when he married Rebecca, that Rebecca was barren. And because she was barren, that Isaac entreated the Lord. Now you understand that Isaac was the son of promise. Isaac was given a promise, amen, that was passed down to him from Abraham. What did God say to Abraham? I will multiply. Your seed as the sands of the sea. He told Abraham at one point, look up. You see the stars that are there? It was preached about, amen, a couple of weeks ago. If you can count the stars, then that's how many of your seed is going to come after you. Of course, Abraham could not count the stars. So there was no way of uh, a man of, of making a, a an accurate, even a close resemblance of what that number was going to be. Can I just shoot this right here and tell you that you and I are one of those stars? You and I are one of those promised seeds of Abraham. Oh, hallelujah. Abraham, glory to God. So understand that Isaac was the son of promise. Hallelujah. So when you find out that he received that same word that Abraham did, then now if God was going to multiply Abraham's seed and Isaac was the promised seed, then it is, it's a no-brainer that out of Isaac was going to come what? 
Amen. The continuation of the seed, the multiplication was going to continue. But now this woman that Isaac married is barren and cannot have any children. So that means that Isaac had two choices. He had to either believe that the promise of the word of God was true or he had to decide that you know what? This is it. That's not the truth. God didn't know what he was talking about because I've now married a woman who cannot have any children. That means the seed of my father cannot continue. Hallelujah. And when it comes to the word of God, amen, the written word, and it comes to a word spoken over your life, a prophetic word, a promise given to you personally, hallelujah, you got two choices. Amen. You can decide that it is the word of God and that it is the truth or you can decide that it's not valid and it's not going to come to pass. But Isaac said, I'm not going to settle. Oh, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. I feel that this morning for somebody. I'm not going to settle that this is the way that it has to be. I know that she is barren, but I'm not going to settle for it to remain this way. I'm looking for somebody in the house who said I'm not going to settle for what anything less other than what God has spoken. Whether it's his written word or whether it's a word spoken over your life. Come on somebody do that here. My goodness. So what did Isaac do? Isaac began to pray. He began to be intrigued of the Lord. But let me put that in a different perspective. Now that you've decided whether you're going to take it or not, or you're going to leave it. Hallelujah. I'm talking to the ones, amen, who decided you're going to take it. You're going to believe that the Lord is a person, a man, or a God of his word. He is a God that cannot lie. It is not even in his character. Hallelujah. To be deceptive. Hallelujah. But what, let me say this. Even the son of promise, amen, didn't come into his promise easily. Hallelujah. Now we flipped it. You that are listening to me now that have said, I'm not going to let go of it. I'm not going to let go of my promise. I'm going to keep holding what God said. I don't see it. And it sure looks impossible. Just like it did with Isaac. Hallelujah. But know this, that even the son of promise did not come by his promise easily. And so if he did not come by easily, let me tell you the same could be for you and I. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching about the struggle is real. Look at your neighbor and say it again. The struggle is real. It was 20 years before Rebecca became pregnant. So he married her at 40 and he was 60 before she became pregnant. 20 years. 20 years. But you know what Isaac did for 20 years? He prayed and he sought the Lord. And he declared, Can I tell you that one of the biggest influences of hell right now is to tell the kingdom that there's 
no need to pray. It's to tell you that your prayers are not getting through. That your prayers are not going to be answered. That if they are not answered by now, that they're not going to be answered. But I've come to tell somebody, I know the struggle is real. Here's what you got to understand. He 
you say, oh, well, you know, Rebecca doesn't have a baby. Here's what you've got to understand what the word barren meant. First of all, to not be able to conceive was seen as a curse. It was a curse from God. Isaac was born with a blessing. He was sent out with a blessing. And the enemy wanted him to think that he was now in covenant with a curse. I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. I'm talking about the covenant. The enemy wants to convince you that you're in covenant with a curse and not a blessing. Oh, come on, somebody, but you gotta be persistent. You gotta be, amen. You gotta persevere. You gotta be like that little chihuahua who thinks he is a bulldog. See, that chihuahua just hasn't looked in the mirror lately to realize that his little teeth, amen, are not as big as a baby's fingernail, but he will growl. Hallelujah. They're aggressive little dogs. I've been bit by one before. Come on, hallelujah, but they will attack and they will pursue and they will stand their ground like they're a pit bull. Hallelujah, why? Because they've got their mind made up. Oh, come on, somebody, do you hear me? And you got to be like that little chihuahua. you got to stand your ground. you got to persevere. We're talking about it in our study on Thursday night. You've got to put something in if you're going to drive back hell's chaos. You've got to put something in. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? He could have settled that he was in covenant with a curse. The word barren means extirpated in your generative organs. Now, if you're like me, I didn't know what extirpate meant. It means to remove or destroy totally. To pull up by the roots. So if I can put that in Hillbilly terms, it was just as if she did not even have a womb to conceive in. I need somebody to help me. That's how desperate this situation was. It was as if God had to create and give her a new womb. I'm talking to somebody who's pregnant this morning. And I don't mean in the natural, but I'm talking about in the spirit. In these last days we're living. Hallelujah, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Old men, come on, hallelujah. Shall dream dreams, your young men shall have, come on, visions. Hallelujah, old men have visions because they've already seen it before. Are you hearing me? Older men don't normally dream about the future because they're settled to die. But Jesus said in these last days, old men are going to dream about things they've never seen before and young men are going to have visions of what they've heard. Help me. And your sons and daughters, these babies that 
from a root word that means to exterminate. He tried. So it was literally not only could she not conceive, but she did not have anything to carry if she could conceive. Are you hearing me? The enemy wants to convince some of you. And I I I I I, I don't wanna bring it up, but that's like him. He'll use your past. Come on. And he'll tell you, see, you can't conceive life and truth and hope and peace and deliverance and victory and breakthrough because you're barren. Why? Because your past. Your past took your womb. Come on. Hallelujah. But you're not in covenant with a curse. The curse was destroyed when Jesus Christ. Sick. 
to Brother Isaac. <laughs> 60 years old now. But nine-tenths of them already know it. It's just for show. Let's be real.
struggle. Can I tell you, but sometimes the struggle is the promise. It's not always I need somebody to hear me, give me two or three that'll hear me today. Hallelujah. There can be physical issues within us that cause the struggle, but when it's the promise that is causing the struggle, it's a different kind of mindset. It's a different kind of atmosphere. So let me ask again, how many feels of the struggle within? See, there's a war going on on the inside of two wheels. And when you step out into the world, you can feel the friction of the two wheels. The will of God that is in you. And then, hallelujah, amen, the attitude and the atmosphere and the will of the world that is rubbing against you, trying to get you to buckle, trying to get you to crush, weighing you down with such a heaviness, trying to bruise your faith, trying to crush your hope, trying to smother your joy. Am I talking to anybody besides myself today? That when you walk in the world, oh, come on, somebody, you can feel it. The friction is going on. There's a war. There's a struggle. When you want to do right, hallelujah, amen, but the struggle is real. I need somebody to help me. When you know you've got your mind made up and the will of God is in your womb, but the struggle is real. There's a war between the two wills. And if you're not really careful, the will of the world will overtake that friction. See, God's will is inside of you, but you feel the desire of the world pull on his will. Anybody, anybody not, not afraid to say you're, you're there, you're feeling that right now in, in the times that we're living? God's will is inside of you, but you're feeling the attitude of the world pull at his will in your life. And as they struggled inside of Rebecca, as they struggled inside of her womb, she began asking, why am I feeling like If this is so, why does it have to be this way? Why am I feeling this? Why is it this way if this is a promise? If this is a blessing? If this is a word? If this is life? Why does it feel this way? Come on. Is anybody else besides Pastor today that feels this struggle? Yep. If it's a promise, then why is this happening to me? That's what she said. Why is this happening to me? She's saying, like, my own self 
has said in the past recent weeks, even months. If everything is well, why is this happening? If everything is all right, you know, like he felt this morning in the atmosphere. Come on. It's funny, but I'm being real. Right? In the moment, you're like, like,
Husbands, you better lead your families. I didn't say leave them. I said lead them. Fathers, you better lead your sons and daughters. You better lead your wives. You better be the priest of your household. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. They better see you praying. They better see you worshiping. They better see you sitting beside them in the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Do you hear that? And not home playing video games or doing something else. Come on, somebody. Do you understand me? Hallelujah. Amen. She saw Isaac. And so what did she do? The Bible said she inquired of the Lord. She said, why is this happening? If this is the promise, and this is supposed to be, then why is this happening? Why the struggle? So she inquired of the Lord. That word inquired in the Hebrew means to tread or frequent, to seek or ask. That meant that she did it often. Come on. She did it often. She asked the Lord. See, the enemy wants you to stop asking. Because he knows when you ask. Come on now. Come on, he will receive. Come on. He knows. Come on, somebody. He knows that God knows what you need, but God needs to know if you know that he has what you need. Come on. There it is. And he's the only one that can supply what you need. And God spoke to her and he said, There are two nations in your womb. He told her she was having twins. <coughs> he said, there's two nations in your womb, and the older will serve the younger. Mm. That went completely against yeah. Jewish tradition. Yeah. That went completely against how they were taught. He said, there are two nations in your womb, and the older shall serve the younger. Now the word nation in the Hebrew here means foreign or explicitly Gentile. Comes from a root word that means to settle or reside. So there were two nations inside of her. We know, amen, that, that Jacob and Esau were the two. Sons that were in her womb struggling. Jacob became what? He became the progenitor. He became a man, the carrier of the seed. Hallelujah. So he was, if I can say it like this, he was the Jew. He was the spiritual of the two nations. Esau, a man, became, hallelujah, an enemy. Out of them came the Edomites and came the enemy of God, a man, or he was the Gentile or the flesh or that which was natural. See, that was the natural. He was in the natural order of the birth, hallelujah, but the, uh, the older was going to serve the younger. So one, if I can say it like this, 
Hallelujah. There are two wills inside of you. Amen. There is the will of God, and then there is your will. Amen. There is the spiritual, and then there is the fleshly. There is the Jacob, and there is the Esau. There is the Jew, and there is the Gentile. One has been redeemed. The other one is waiting to be redeemed. Come on, somebody. When we get out of here, we will have our final redemption. Right now, our spirits have been regenerated and been born again. But we're going to have a new body. Hallelujah. Our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, is going to receive its final redemption. So it's waiting on redemption. Hallelujah. That will of God has already been redeemed. And the other one is waiting to be redeemed. I need somebody to help me. Hallelujah. So Jacob represented God. He represented the Holy Covenant. He represented the will of God. Esau represented the flesh, the natural, that carnal will. Hallelujah. And because Rebecca had a word, there was a war between the two wills. And when you got a word, can I tell you, there is always going to be a struggle. When you have a word, there will be a struggle. Why? Because the Jacob in you, hallelujah, wants to lead you into the very perfect will of God. But the Esau, which comes natural, which is your natural born state in the flesh, the carnal mindedness, wants to take over the will of God. But I'm here to tell somebody, one of them is going to win the war. It's up to you to decide who is going to win. So as long as there's a struggle, Esau has not won the war. The struggle is real, but it's because the Esau in you does not want to serve the Jacob in you. And he wants to crush the will of God. Becca had a word, but there was a struggle. Can I tell you, the world will always bring conflict. That's why you feel like right now you are surrounded by all of hell. The struggle is real. You're feeling you're surrounded by all of hell because you've got a word. Come on. You've got a word. You've got a promise. You decided that you're not in covenant with a curse. Amen. But you're in covenant with a blessing. You're in covenant with a promise. It's like this, you know chains have already fallen, but you still hear them rattle. Come on. Come on. 
I said, you know that chains have fallen. Some of you stood up here this morning and, and, and some stood around the altar last night up here this morning and you know the chains fell. Hallelujah. But can I tell you, amen, don't be surprised when you leave here if you don't still hear the chains rattle because the struggle is real. And when you step out into the world, the spirit of the world, the war, world's will will cause friction between God's will. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? The struggle, hallelujah, you have got your mind made up that you're going to do right, be right, live right, think right, feel right, act right. Come on, somebody, hallelujah, but the struggle is real. There's a pull, and sometimes you may fall prey to the will of the flesh and you wonder what in the world is happening. Why is this taking place? Because that which is in your womb that you are about to birth and bring forth the promise in this last hours that we have here on this earth is going to be greater than anything you have ever, ever birthed prior to this. You mamas can relate. I saw the other day where this this uh, this a couple, the mother had a baby, and it was her fourth or fifth. That baby weighed fourteen pounds and eight ounces. And she had two other ones. Two of her other ones weighed over thirteen pounds apiece. You think she'd suck? Come on, somebody. I said that to say this. In the past, you've had an easy birth. Your 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 promises have weighed, you know, five pounds, six ounces. Come on, six pounds and two ounces. Come on, somebody. I weighed 914 when I was born, 23 inches long. Hallelujah. I was a big baby. Praise God. But listen to me. In the past, you birthed little ones, but you bowed to birth. Hallelujah. A 15, 16 pound baby. And you think there's no way this body could take it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But did you not just say that you believe what God said? Hallelujah. And if he said it, it'll come to pass. That's why the struggle is real. It just takes a little while longer. Come on, isn't it in the last few weeks or something like that? I'm not I'm not real good with the medical stuff, but the baby puts on a lot more weight really quickly at the last. Hallelujah. Don't give up just before the labor pains begin because your promise is taking on the last bit. Oh, a power that it needs. Hallelujah. And when the time comes, hallelujah, push, push, push. Go, persevere. You've got this. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You've got this. The struggle is real. Esau came out first. We know Jacob had hold of his heel as he was coming out. Can I tell you that the will of God or the promise had hold of the flesh? Come on, come on. Oh, come on. I said the will of God, the promise, had hold of the flesh. 
I said that to say this. It may look like to some of you that the flesh is winning and your promise is coming up from the rear. But let me remind you that in this covenant of blessing, in this covenant of promise, you will always be the head and not the tail. It may look like the promise is coming up and that all that the flesh is winning. But I'm telling you, hold on. I know the struggle is real, but don't give up. Don't give in. Don't stop it. Because when it is brought to birth, it is going to multiply and increase in such a way that you will never, ever be able to comprehend it. So they look like the promises trailing behind, but it's got hold. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. See, I'm talking. I get it. I know it. I understand it. I'm there. I'm there. I'm just being real. I'm like, come on, you know I'm transparent with you. I'm pretty real. Come on. Maybe to a fault when it comes to hallelujah behind the pulpit. But I'm telling you, I'm there. And I get it. See, when the war zone is in your mind. But it's also in your prayer closet. It's also in your car. It's also when you're in worship. It's also in your home. The war zone. You just can't seem to get away from the war zone. Come on. <coughs> See, can I tell you something? The enemy don't mind as long as the struggle is within. Well, yeah. That's good. He doesn't mind as long as the struggle is within. He doesn't want you to birth the promise. That's what he's trying to prolong, hinder, prevent. He would love to abort your promise. Come on. Come on. So he, he, he doesn't mind as long as the struggle is in. See, and we see the evidence of the struggle with Jacob and Esau. Jacob was, was named Jacob because he had a hold of the heel of Esau coming out. So they, they named him Jacob, which means supplanter or trickster. Sometimes, oh help me, sometimes we try to get ahead of God. Yeah. See, he already had a promise. That Esau was going to serve him. But, you know, sometimes he just, we just like to put our hand on it and oh. make sure that it happens the way. Come on, somebody. Come on. That'll preach another time, but you get what I'm saying. That we want to put our hands on it and make sure that we know. Come on. He, 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 was, he was named Trickster. And so we see the evidence of the struggle between Jacob and Esau now as they, as they get older and they grow. As, as the story goes, Esau come in from the field and he had been working and he was hungry and Jacob was in the kitchen and making a bowl of beans. <laughs> Lentils, he was making some soup. And Esau said, feed me. Help me, Jesus. I'm sorry. 
So that's what your flesh wants you to do. Your flesh will say, feed me. You're starving me to death. I'm losing power here. I'm getting weak. Come on, somebody. He said, he said, feed me. I'm hungry. Jacob said, I'll give you a bowl of soup if you'll give me a birthright. See, the flesh has the natural inclination to rule. It's always going to come first. You decide whether the spirit supersedes it, but the flesh is always, it's its natural inclination to be the firstborn. That's what's waiting to be redeemed. Come on, somebody. And, and so, so Jacob was like, give me your birthright. Now, the right to rule has been given to the promise. Come on. The right to receive everything that came natural for Esau was now turned over and given to Jacob. Are you hearing me? See, the promise was anointed inside the womb. Jacob was already anointed inside the womb. There are two nations in you, Rebecca, and the younger will rule over the older. So the younger, which was Jacob, was already anointed in the womb. He was already ordained. He was branded in the womb, but he had to be marked on the outside. See, we got to know who we are. We got to know what belongs to us. We got to understand why the enemy keeps bringing our past and why the struggle is the way that it is. Hallelujah. Amen. See, the flesh is now after. See, when you come into covenant with God, the flesh now comes after the spirit man. So now, hallelujah, Esau was going to serve, amen, Jacob, Esau being the flesh, amen, and Jacob being the spirit. So now the promise was going to rule over the flesh. Hallelujah. This is exactly why the enemy does not want you to birth the promise. Because, hallelujah, he knows if you understand the birthright and you understand the covenant, hallelujah, that the promise or the spirit is going to rule over your flesh. And even when you may fall to the flesh every now and then, you rise up and know who belongs in the front. You know, amen, that it's the spirit that needs to be in charge with somebody. Help me. Hallelujah. Now the flesh was after the spirit man. And Esau was now going to be after Jacob. Hallelujah. So Jacob had to take off, right? Hallelujah. Can I tell you that the flesh is after the spirit man? But Galatians 5 says, be filled with the spirit. Can I tell you what that word filled means? I'm about to finish. It means to be crammed. It means to level up a hollow. I love that. Level up a hollow to furnish or to finish. 
See, when you empty out all of your will and you put the flesh behind you, you now have a hollow place to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that if you're filled with the Spirit, you will walk with the Spirit. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. I like walk with the Spirit. You will walk with the Spirit to not fulfill the lust of of the flesh. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? That word fulfill means to end, to complete, or to discharge. Comes from a root word that means a point. Aimed at as a limit. Hallelujah. If you fulfill, if you don't want to fulfill the will of the flesh, you have got to be crammed with the Spirit. You have got to fill your life with the things of the Spirit. Because, hallelujah, the lust of the flesh is pointing you in one direction. And that is into death. That is into a dead end road. And it will take you down. That's why the struggle is so real. Because the evil nature has a strong desire to suppress the spirit. But the spirit constantly has a natural desire to suppress the evil nature in us. Come on now. Are you hearing me? So now, Jacob, the promise. Is to a place that his brother Esau now he hears is gaining ground. He's there's 400 men with Esau. 400 men. Isn't it interesting that Jacob, knowing that his brother and 400 men were in pursuit of him, he still laid down and had rest. That's because when you got a promise, when you got a word, even though all hell assails me, I shall not be there. The anchor, come on somebody, do you understand? But see, Jacob, Jacob was a little bit of a trickster. Right? The promise, the promise was trying to get its fulfillment in its own way. So when he laid there, he wrestled with God. Even though he found rest. But see, God was about to give the promise a new identity. Remember what Pastor Workman preached last week? He was about to give him a the promise, a new identity. See, Jacob or the promise wrestled with God. He was about to go from trickster to prince or to rule as God. So the promise was now going to rule as if it was God in control. Do you see that? Do you understand? He was going from the trickster doing it his way 
to be the prince of God, the prince of, to rule as God. And let me tell you something. I don't know who I'm talking to today. If they want to go ahead and come to the music. The struggle is real. But in these end times, these last moments, if the promise is going to be fruitful, there's going to be a wrestling with God. There's going to be a wrestling with God if the promise is going to be fruitful. Remember, the promise was branded in the womb. It was anointed, but it had to be marked from the outside. He preached, he, they, they preached a little bit about it the past couple of weeks. Because when he wrestled with the angel, with the Lord, God touched the socket of his hip and it was dislocated. Mm -hmm. I want you to notice something there. God did not dislocate his hip, he touched it, and the touch. Dislocated his head. See, it may take some wrestling, but when he touches you, it will fulfill what is necessary to mark that anointing that is on your life. See, the promise. Repeat. See, Jacob, who was the promise, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go. Here's the thing. The promise refuses to prosper. It refuses not to prosper. Now it's up to you whether or not you refuse not to prosper. Because the promise is going to prosper. The promise has an anointing upon it that refuses to let go. Two or three of you get that, you might get it by next Sunday. Hallelujah. But you've got to decide to endure the struggle so that the promise, which is already anointed, can be marked, hallelujah, and fulfill the brand, the ordained anointing that's already upon it. It's anointed, and that's never going to go away. Your promise is anointed. Hallelujah. The word is anointed, and that anointing is never going to leave the promise. What the enemy doesn't want is for you to walk in the anointing of that promise. Hallelujah. And so the promise is anointed. Now the promise has to be marked on the outside. So what happened? Hallelujah. When God touched. Hallelujah. Amen. His side. Hallelujah. The touch dislocated it. And the Bible said. Amen. That Jacob walked with a limp. For the rest of his life. Hallelujah. Why? Because he refused to give in to the struggle. He refused to not let the anointing that was on the promise be the anointing that was on his life. He was going to walk out the promise and out of, amen, out of Jacob came what? The tribes of Israel. Come on, somebody. Do you understand me? Hallelujah. The seed 
there's a lot of people who are ripe and ready to be harvested. They don't need to see our flashy Facebook pages, our social media uh, uh, statistics. They don't need to see all of the fancy things they need to see. It's none of that. But I'm telling you, that's not what it's about. You've got to let the promise rule as God. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means to rule as God. Prince. From trickster to prince. This is why the enemy is bringing up your past. This is why the enemy is trying to threaten you with all of this other stuff. This is why your mind has become such an intense battlefield. Because the struggle is real. So as you stand with me across this place, They begin to worship. I don't know who you are in here today. If you're lost and you don't know Jesus, I'm giving you the invitation right now. Grab hold of the heel of the flesh and let your spirit receive today.